today we'll have a webinar with Joe Boston. So how is everyone doing this evening? Uh, I hope very well. Uh, my name is Joe Boston, and I do see that I recognize some names uh, from the attendees list. So thank you for attending uh, this evening. And one thing I will say is that the reason why the Dallas Real Estate Investment Group exists is because of all these different techniques that are uh, being taught now that uh, were not all that common uh, roughly 10 years ago when we started. So the Dallas Real Estate Investment Group, we started in June of 2010. And uh, as it says, we're a community-based real estate investment group. And really we're chartered with educating the community on how to do real estate investing the right way. So pretty much anything under the umbrella of single family, we, we understand, not only do we understand it, but we do it. So uh, for those of you that know me, uh, you probably heard me speak or have been at a real world event and uh, we're able to actually see it live. And so, uh, Pre-COVID, uh, next, go ahead and switch the screen. Um, we meet roughly every, every week. Um, this is our real estate uh, investment website, dallasreig.com. And so please write that down if you're not familiar with us as we uh, <clears throat> want you to get involved. And again, pre-COVID, we, we had in-person meetings every week. And next, you can go to the next slide. Uh, as you'll see, each week, uh, we would have a different topic. Uh, the first and third week, uh, we'd have a speaker. Second weekend, we'd have like a webinar. And then what makes us unique is the fourth week, we'd actually have a real-world event. And so what's actually happened because of uh, COVID is, is now we're doing a lot of Zoom meetings, which has actually been a good thing because now, you know, you could actually listen to us in the comforts of your own home or on your phone. Uh, but we'll be doing more of this now. But, you know, I'm somewhat old school and I like to meet people uh, because you can network online, obviously, but there's some of the information that we like to share with contracts and so forth. Um, you know, that sometimes it's, it's better in person. So we don't know when we'll be able to meet again uh, in person. You know, I'm, I'm being very cautious uh, and respectful of everyone's health. But uh, when we do meet, we are one of the most active RIA groups, real estate investment groups in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And uh, we really would like you to attend because uh, I think that those of you that have, have seen us would say that you get a lot of information and we're really hands-on and we believe in education first. And then, you know, we do have things that we charge for, of course, but, you know, we lead with education and actually doing the subject matter. So uh, highly encourage that you attend and uh, sign up for our website. So next. In addition to that, uh, we have a brokerage, which is uh, correlated to the real estate investment group. It's called Next Level Realty Group. So if you are, are interested in getting your real estate license as an investor, it's, it's primarily, you know, we, we look for people that are investors that want to get their license, uh, but don't want to pay an arm and a leg. 
Uh, it's just $97 a month and $250 a transaction. And yes, I said $250 a transaction. Uh, uh, we're somewhat of a virtual office, but we do have a, uh, an office that you can come to. And we have uh, all the great office equipment, copiers, Wi-Fi, uh, conference room for you to do closings. And I am the broker, so uh, you can actually reach out to me. And if you have any questions, um, you know, I've pretty much done most of, uh, most of the real estate transactions that exist out there. So if not, I have the resources to answer all our questions. So Next Level Realty Group, if you're interested in getting your license, um, uh, please let me know. So next. So uh, tonight's topic is rent and own. So that's what I call it. So for those of you that uh, are attending, I would like to say that the riches are in the niches. And <clears throat> I started doing this before I started the group. So I would say probably about 15 years ago. And the reason why is because what I realized quickly was that I'm a rental guy. So meaning I buy and hold a lot. And back then, believe it or not, people couldn't believe I was renting. I was, I was a rental guy. They're like, wow, it's just so much work. And oh my goodness, why, why would you want to put up with that? And of, of course, like a lot of you, I was in corporate. And so uh, just my background is I, I'm a former Air Force officer. And while I was in the Air Force, I actually decided to do real estate. And uh, uh, the gentleman that I learned from had rentals. And so that's naturally the progression is whatever your teacher does, that's kind of what you follow. And so uh, I started to buy rentals. Now, thankfully, uh, back then, you know, the, the barrier to entry wasn't there. You know, I would say 15 to 20 years ago, even before that, you know, obviously the prices weren't what they are today. So, uh, you know, you can make a few more mistakes and, uh, you know, you can recover rather quickly. Uh, and in addition to that, there weren't all these, you know, real estate investment groups. We were on our own for the most part. So for those of you that are out there, uh, you know, thank your lucky stars. I'm glad you're attending events like this because you get to learn from people that have done this industry and not make the mistakes that uh, some of us that have, have, have done because of, you know, just through trial and error. But first, I'd like to start off with a little quote. It just says, investors now have the opportunity to operate like the bank. You can have a year-long interview process with your client to see if it's a good fit for the program. Rent and own lets you get the benefits of rentals and owner finance. Okay. So the one thing that I want to start off by saying is when you're the bank, are you worried about toilets, tenants, or trash? No, not necessarily. And again, I'm, I'm coming from the standpoint of being a landlord because there are, are benefits to doing that. But, but when you have that thought process in your mind, um, you're always working to get more knowledgeable about operating like a bank. And so processes that align themselves with being the bank are what we are gravitating towards at the Dallas Real Estate Investment Group. And we have several programs. One of them I talked about uh, in the prior weeks was the reverse close, uh, which I have several um, colleagues that helped me with that, but also owner financing. And one of them, what we're talking about tonight is rent and own. 
And, and so uh, I would like to say that, you know, these different techniques allow the investor to be flexible, right? But also operate like the bank, right? So there's components of it that will actually transition you from just being a landlord to transition you to being a bank and then just getting that what we call mailbox money. And that's what our goal is, is to have that mailbox money at any given time, no matter where you are. So um, that's what we're gonna talk about. So next slide. So how do we help? So the one thing I wanna say is that as real estate investors, we're solutions experts. So we are truly here to help people. Now, don't get me wrong, it's just we're just fortunate that we can make really good money helping people because the last I checked, everybody needs a place to live, okay? So because of that, we're in a pretty, you know, uh, conservative industry. A lot of people think that, oh my gosh, it's so risky, but really and truly, do you know anybody who doesn't need a place to live? So when you gravitate towards, you know, an industry like that, you just have to know the details and get really good at it and you can become successful. So, so how do we help? So just a few statistics for you. So as most of you know, uh, unfortunately with COVID, you know, there's been a lot of layoffs. So more than 4 million Americans filed for jobless aid, bringing the pandemic total to above 40 million. And there's estimates that state that roughly 40% of those people might not get their jobs back. And so, you know, just the way that it works, the balance sheet always balances. So when there's an unfortunate circumstance for others, there's opportunity for others. And so uh, just like the brick and mortar is hurting, you know, the Amazons and the people that are really good with technology are booming right now. And so uh, you want to be on that side that's booming, right? So, so that means you need to be flexible. And so if you think about that, uh, as the slide to the, to the left states, the U.S. unemployment rate, 1948 to the year 2020, this is the third time in the last 70 years the unemployment rate has broken or touched 10%. So you can see that slide that, you know, because of that, people now, um, you know, there's a correlation between unemployment and the housing industry. Right, because I think the last statistic is from year over year, the housing industry is down roughly 31% uh, year to year. And so that being said, there's an opportunity for us, okay? So, you know, don't always get caught in the media. You know, you watch it for a guideline uh, to see what you need to become good at, okay? That's what I think of, especially when you're talking about real estate investing. So. You look to the slide to the right, uh, you'll see the uh, credit scores. And so, and those are the ages, it might be a little bit blurry. So the age is 20 to 29. Uh, the average uh, FICO score or credit score was 662. Ages 30 to 39, 673. And ages 40 to 49, 684. Why that's important is because the people that are actually entering into the, uh, the workforce and the ability to purchase homes, you can see that it's a 662. Well, uh, I don't know if you've been watching, but since COVID has actually been a big player, uh, mortgage lenders now 
Um, this isn't federal, but this is mortgage lenders now have increased, made it more stringent for, um, you know, people to actually obtain mortgages, home loans. And so some of those mortgage lenders have actually increased the approval ratings to 680. And so what that means is if you had a 662, you wouldn't be qualified to get a mortgage. And so again, those people that are sitting there going, wait a minute, you know, six months ago, I was able to, uh, I was able to buy a house and I've had several agents now that have, have had actual people in the pipeline and then they couldn't buy a house because the criteria changed. And so what does that mean for us? Well, those people still want a house. And so if this pandemic, you know, carries on and the time frame actually extends out longer than we anticipate, then again, us being the real estate investors, we need to be the saviors or the solutions experts. And so rent to own is actually one of those processes, right? It gives the ability for the, the client to actually move into a home that they actually would like. And then you actually would actually rent that to them and then sell it to them at a premium, you know, um, at market value, which is a really good thing right now um, uh, for a real estate investor, because right now the market's at, at is pretty high. And because of that, rent to own is a really good thing to do. So um, next slide. Again, DFW home sales, and this is specifically for this area. Uh, like I said, it plunged 31%. That's as of today, uh, per the business, the, the business journal and home prices were at an incline of 57% before COVID. So you'll see, you know, like I said, the prices were soaring, right? Home builders were, were just happy. And again, they're still selling their houses, uh, but at the top of the market, but then it somewhat hit a halt because of, you know, what's going to happen, you know, from a speculation standpoint and then an uh, you know, employment. So um, looking at the renter statistics, so 50% of the uh, people rent in Dallas, 50%. And so what does that mean for us as real estate investors? Well, the population is expected to double in 15 years. So I don't know about you, but I think that's pretty good odds that if you are, a real estate investor that you can become successful if our population is going to double. Well, I would say this, you better figure out a way to drive one. It's probably the same thing in Houston for those of you that are there, but, or we need some mass transportation. But anyway, if 50% of the people are going to rent and then we know that because of what's happening right now with employment, those people still need a place to live and want to live in single family homes. Those people need to rent. Don't you think it'd be a good idea to be really good at this strategy or the strategies that we're teaching you? Uh, so again, come to our meetings and you know, and I'm going to give you an overview of how this program works, but you really need to think about getting really good and doing it over and over again. And you can become successful and help people. So the average FICO score in Texas was 669. And again, as the criteria, like I mentioned for the, uh, for some of the mortgage lenders with 680, they would not be able to obtain home ownership. Uh, so, you know, that's just unfortunate for them, but again, it, it would help the real estate investor. And then new arrivals in DFW will look to rent instead of buy. And so 
just know that there's a lot of people going to move into the DFW area just because of the cost of living. And the one benefit we have are is employment opportunities because of our location and because the market's down right now, you know, we actually have a lot of corporate locations that are actually going to start to rebuild and they're going to start to hire. So next slide. So what we're going to talk about today is what is rent to own? Why rent to own? The steps. So we're going to talk about leads and qualifying leads. The contracts. And then we're going to have a recap. And then any questions that you might have regarding the program. So what is a typical rent to own? So a typical rent to own, it combines a basic lease uh, with an option to purchase contract. So, so what I mean by option to purchase is basically it's just a one to four family, single uh, family contract. That's what we call it in, in Texas. It's a one to four family contract. So you're gonna have a lease and a one to four family purchase contract. Next. So the lease contracts can stand alone. The purchase contract is stand alone. Next. Okay, keep going. You can keep going through all the, okay. So a lease contract, it's an agreement between an owner and a renter. It desires temporary possession. So this, these are temporary um, uh, agreements between the, the renter and the, and the owner. The purchase contract is an agreement the two entities to do or not to do some action for some value, okay? So there's a distinction between those two. Uh, so the contracts we use, there's TREX, Texas Real Estate Commission, one to four family contract. And you can use any lease, but we use the TREC or the TAR lease. Well, you can use any lease that you choose, uh, but we use the TAR because it's already promulgated with Texas uh, lawyers. So we actually use that that lease agreement and then an option agreement um it could be drafted by investors um but it's used used for the buyer okay um but how we actually use option the, an option the agreement is actually in the one to four family contract so a lot of people will say oh well option agreements aren't aren't uh legal well when we talk about option, it's really the language. It's not necessarily a contract, okay? And so um, we share that with you when we go through an in-depth training here. It's the language that you put in the contract. So it's a promise which meets requirements for formation of the contract so you, that you will not revoke it, okay? Next. So what is the least this purchase step? So um, you can go through, I'll keep going. I have someone actually doing the slide. So, so the p tenant pays, pays the landlord a non-refundable option deposit, right, or fee, and it's applied to the purchase of the property, okay? The tenant pays the landlord. It's rent, right? So rent to use the property just like any normal rental agreement. So during the term of the lease, uh, before the option expires, the tenant has the right to buy the property, okay? Um, so those are the least to purchase steps. Okay. So then what is the difference between what happened? And let, let me explain this to you. Um, roughly seven to eight, well, I'd say seven to eight years ago, there were actually three different contracts that we used. And one was a lease contract. The other one was an option contract. And the other one was a 
their one to four family sales contract. Because there were so many issues with the option contract, we actually slightly changed the way that we actually did this process. And so when you look at what is leased to purchase, you know, when you're, I'm talking about the option contract, those are the, that is what I'm describing is that option contract language. Now in other states, it's legal to have a standalone option contract. But in Texas, we have actually modified the way that we do it because of the, basically the constraints of an option contract. Okay, so what is rent then on? So this is how we do it differently. So we complete the lease, which stands alone. We draft a sales contract that stands alone. And the lease is not combined with the sales contract at all. So we actually keep the sales contract at our office until the end of the lease. So we're assuming that it's a 12 month time frame. So the 12 month on time payments, their credit has improved. So we're assuming also in this process that at this point in time that the, the, the clients cannot qualify for a mortgage. So with the examples that I gave you previously, if they had a 662 FICO score, but the mortgage lenders have increased it to 680. Now, this 12-month time frame gives them the ability to improve their credit and, and exceed the 680 credit score uh, so that they can obtain a home loan. Uh, then what will happen is once the, set, once the, the lease is, is completed, the sales contract will be executed after the lease is completed. And so for those of you that are out there, you can generate uh, a sales contract and not execute it. So what I mean by that is if, if you and I write a contract today, technically it's not enforceable until we execute that contract. And what that means is there's a date that we actually utilize that says, okay, here are all the terms of the contract, but you know what? Until it's executed, it's not really legally enforceable. So, so once that date is placed, so it's the, it's, June 17th of 2020. So if we actually put that date on there. That's when that contract's enforceable. And that's when the timeline starts. That's why it's so important that execution date is on the contract. So what'll happen is, is in this process, once, if it's, you know, we'll assume that it's January 1 to December 31st. So we won't execute it if that's the lease term until January 1st of the next year. Um, so that's, that's when we will actually execute it. And that's when the, the, uh, sales contract actually goes into effect. Okay. So next slide. So then why do buyers rent and own? So you can keep going. So obviously credit issues. So they need to have uh, credit repair. Uh, they have a holding fee, but they can't, you know, that's used as the investment in the home. So if they're actually trying to pay off, you know, because homes have become more expensive, so they actually can, they know they're going to get ready to get into, you know, have some money that they can actually use as the investment. Uh, they know they're going to get, you know, some, some money coming. Uh, lower moving costs, because really they just have to come up with a down payment. They don't pay for closing costs. Uh, now, their rent can work as an option for them, meaning that they can actually ask you as the as the owner if they can apply, pay more rent if they could and put it down towards the purchase of the property uh, 
they are still a renter, so they're not paying property taxes and they're actually getting to live in the property that they like. So next. The mortgage is paid by the owner because it's a rental. There's positive payment history generated quickly. And what I mean by that is, and you'll see that, is this is a working interview. So you see how it's a, uh, right underneath the bullet underneath there is now as a tenant, you can actually see as the owner and the buyer as well, if they pay on time, right? Because I wouldn't want to sell someone a house I didn't know that could actually have good payment behavior. So this is actually an interview. So it's a really good process for both parties. Um, they can upgrade the home during the rental period. So that's another good thing for you as well. Um, and one thing I did not put in the slides is roughly 50% of, uh, of people don't qualify at the end of the 12 months. You know, it might take them a little bit longer. So you can extend that lease term. But the one benefit to you as an investor is if they didn't, you have an improved house. So that's really good for you and your value would increase. Um, it provides an option to move if conditions change, right? So the buyer, if they don't like the area, uh, then they can change and, uh, you know, they have, it's more flexible for them and it locks in the price for them, right? So when you decide what you're going to sell it to them for, um, it locks in their price. Now that's why I said rent to own right now is really a good process or program for sellers because the market is high. Okay. So next slide. So why for the seller? So as I mentioned, you get to interview clients. Uh, the fee can, is used as an investment in the home and that can be part of your program, right? Cause you're typically going to mark up the price if you are doing rent and own. Uh, there's, there's uh, rent can work for you as an option. Uh, I personally don't, I just treat it as a rental, but if you wanted to assign a portion of the rent towards their payments or towards their purchase price, you could. And remember, you can set this up however you want as the investor. Uh, there's no realtor commission, no fix-up costs. There's no discount to the buyer. Actually, you're marking the price up uh, based on uh, market value. Uh, there's reduced advertising costs because you actually have the tenant in place, right? You don't have to market it to sell it. Uh, again, buyer may increase the value of the home, which is great. And typically because they think they're going to own the property, they're going to do more uh, from an improvement standpoint. Uh, and then uh, it locks in the price for you as well. And specifically like when the market's high as it is right now, uh, this is a good program. And also with the statistics that I provided to you earlier, we know that people are going to want to live in single family residences and they're gonna, they're gonna pay a premium, specifically those that unfortunately lost their job at no fault to their own. They're really good candidates, they're very, they're professional, they just got caught in COVID. And so uh, right now is a really good time for this program, right? For us to make really good return on investment with really good clients. Okay, so next slide. So the client, so, Foreclosure, you know, just like what's going on now, they're relocating to the area. Divorces, they said that COVID's created a lot of people uh, getting divorces now because they're having to spend time together. Uh, family assistance, if it's a daughter or son, this is another reason. If you want to rent a home to your uh, one of your your uh, uh, your family members, trial, right? They see if they they want to see if they like the area and the schools. 
uh, they see a deal that they can't qualify for today. Um, I put no credit check because the thing is, is what you're going to do is they might um, have to grow into their credit. You're going to actually know what their credit score is, but if they don't qualify at the end of the term, then, you know, you might transition them out. There might, that might, you know, not work for them. Um, uh, so a monthly deposit can be used towards the purchase price. So they like that. Uh, the seller assistance uh, at closing if needed. So uh, one of the thing is, is if you actually are marketing up and you can actually increase, and this is a little bit more technical, but you can increase the rental amount and take a portion of that and utilize that for their, their down payment. Um, so there's many, again, there's many different nuances to this program. Uh, credit repair offered at a minimal fee to the buyer. So you can ensure one of the things that I do is I ensure they're in our credit restoration program if they're if that's the goal, depending on the property. So uh, um, that's really good for them because uh, they're actually in a program that really you know is stringent for them uh, that they have to adhere to, and low moving costs. So that's one of the reasons why they like to do that. Uh, okay, so next slide. So. So where are they looking? So advertising. So for rentals, you know, that's typically when, you know, people looking for rentals, but I can tell you that, you know, a lot of people really want to uh, own a property. So just like the standard locations, you know, apartment selectors, the start, the paper, uh, rentmax.com, housing lists, rental signs, rent guides, Rent.net, Craigslist, Thrifty Nickel, Green Sheet. Um, not only is this a good place for buyers, but also to look for, for properties as well, right? Um, and the reason why I say that is because if you buy a property, you can put it on this program. So um, that's why those are good areas to look. Uh, so how do you actually get, you know, get them? So signs, so rental signs work really well. And then you can put a, a rider, which is an attachment on the sign that says, you know, uh, rent to own. And your phone will probably just go be ringing off the hook. Um, so uh, they draw a lot of attention. Uh, and actually, when I present this in person, I have examples of them. Realtors. Realtors will have a lot of clients that don't qualify, especially like I told you at my brokerage. Uh, we've had several clients that did not qualify because the mortgage lenders increased the standard to 680 and they were right below that. Uh, so they would be interested in this program. Property managers, don't you think property managers have uh, clients that don't qualify for mortgages but want to uh, have home ownership? So they would do that as well. Uh, websites that promote rental properties, another good place to look. And then call rental signs for sell by owners, expired listings, and pre-foreclosure. Another strategy, and I don't want to get too deep into this, but there's, if you see a house that's been in the market a real, real long time, you can ask the owner to do it in reverse to owner finance. That's like an owner finance, but to rent to own. Because if they would do that for you, then you can actually place a tenant in those properties. So, um, and again, that's a little bit more technical, but that's a different way to actually get one of those properties. Okay, next slide. Um, so referrals, so leads. So 
So what you want to do to get leads is you want to develop relationships with property managers, investors, investment groups like the ones I run, realtors. Um, all these sources are really good for referrals. Um, I get asked all the time because I do have rentals if I'm interested in, in doing rental, right? Uh, pretty much most of my tenants, because I do longer term leases, want to enter, enter into those agreements. So um, I don't think you'll have a hard time finding applicants for those. So the buyer process, so what does that look like? So, so they'll do an application, right? And you'll get to analyze if there's a reserve, uh, what kind of money they make, what their movement date is, but you want to make sure that their income obviously is commensurate with what they have to pay. Um, and again, it's based on their credit, their reserve, uh, their, and then you can get them in a credit program if they would be able to participate in a credit program and how long it would take. And so if you're going to actually do that again, like I said, how long it'll take, if you have a 12 month time frame for those people to get qualified, you need to make sure whoever credit, whatever credit, uh, company you're working with that 12 months is the, is the standard that they could actually have their credit uh, corrected in 12 months. Uh, investors offered a deal, right? So the, with a qualified tenant, if they're interested in a property and they want to purchase it. So we also have that process. Um, and that's one of the things we have like with our, with our reverse close. If, uh, if you're offered a deal with, with a tenant already in place, so that's another option. Um, agreements established between seller, tenant, and team. Right, so um, all those three agreements that we were talking about earlier, uh, all the terms need to be set forth so that everybody understands what those are so that it's measurable. Um, one thing you do not wanna do is change the terms for the, for the tenant. Um, so if you're working with, or you are the seller, you're working with a seller, those terms cannot change during that time frame. Um, so all those agreements need to be set in place up front. Um, so paperwork's drafted for that specific lease term. So if it's 12 months, it'll be a 12 month term. And then, you know, the home ownership would be after that 12 month term. Uh, so the paperwork generated for the sales contract, and then you'll discuss their, you know, the motivation. So what I mean by motivation is the on-time payments, right? So there'll be things that they have to do to make sure that um, they don't violate your trust. So if they have a lot of slow pays, um, you know, and if, if they're not adhering to your terms, you know, it still might not work out for them if, if, if you're not comfortable with, with what they're doing as far as a tenant. So this gives us why it gives you an interview process. Um, so once we're in person, I talk about different clauses that can go inside of the, the contract. Um, and again, at DallasRIG.com, I will have meetings on this topic um, that we discuss the clauses that go inside the, the actual sales contract. And then also we have buyer referral contracts, actually how you get buyers uh, for this program. So the tenant process. So again, one of the things I want to discuss for the tenant is you want to uh, try to qualify them before you actually meet with them. And so we kind of go through that process and what that looks like. So you don't want to waste a whole lot of time for those of you that are out there that are interested in doing rentals or you do rentals. You want to qualify them as much as you can on the phone so you don't waste a lot of time. Uh, show only properties that are in your inventory or that 
that you know investors are willing to rent to own to those people, um, to those clients. Um, and then show only properties that fit the profile. So you don't want to show them a, a property they can't afford or that's going to put them in peril. Um, and so you don't want to do anything like that, that they wouldn't qualify for. So next slide. So uh, what is required? So managing the timeline. So you're going to look for on-time payments, right? That's non-negotiable. These are the things that we're going to look for. Uh, fee selection for assistance with down payment. So one of the things that I mentioned is that um, it, it's called, it's kind of like similar to a bank when you have a gift, if they can't, they don't have the income, um, you, and, but all of a sudden they have a huge amount of money, but they might not, they might struggle with the down payment. You want to look for things like that. Uh, so, um, again, they can actually obtain a fee or uh, assistance for the fee, but you just want to make sure that their income is commensurate with what you're, what they're paying. Okay. Um, then you want to provide incentive for paying on time and, and maintenance. So um, there's different strategies that are out there that you can actually employ. Uh, so what I mean by that is if, if they pay on or before the first, you can actually give them a $50 discount. Some people do that. Um, and you, or you can use that $50 towards their down payment if they pay on time. Um, so there's different investors that do different incentives, but there's ways that you can do that. Inspections, you want to do quarterly inspections on the property to make sure that they're, they're, the upkeep on the property is what it should be um, and that, that uh, you know, they're taking care of the property because, again, if they don't qualify, uh, you want to make sure that you can actually um, do this again if you need to at the end of the term. Uh, so there's credit companies that I work with. So Build My Scores is one of them. So you're going to actually, if you're working with a credit company, uh, you want to actually work hand in hand with them and, and check in quarterly to make sure that that client is doing what they're supposed to do. So they're staying on track with improving their credit. Uh, and it must be, it must pass based on time requirements. So if they're not making their on-time payments for their bills and their credit is going the opposite way, um, then you need to actually have a, you know, sit down with that client and let them know they're not going to qualify at the end of the term. So that's, in, that's in, um, important. So the eviction process, if they don't pay, right, what paperwork is needed? And we actually teach that in our club as well. So we go through the eviction process. Hopefully that won't happen, but it's an option, right? Especially in times like this, you just never know. So you have to be prepared to know what to do. And then contractors, you should always be working on contractors and, you know, clubs like ours, we actually do have referrals of different contractors, but what contractors are needed. Okay. So next slide. So again, what is needed from a contract standpoint? So you need the lease application, the lease agreement, the one to four family sales contract, an affidavit memorandum, right? The affidavit's basically going to state what the terms are, um, what you agreed to. Fee worksheets, which means if there's any fees that you were actually given uh, based on your agreements, um, that's going to be required. Timeliness worksheet. So like I mentioned with credit, if there's something that they have to adhere to throughout the process, um, you're actually going to write this, write that down on the timeliness worksheet and have them sign off on it uh, and then manage that process. Clauses, again, there's different clauses on rent to own uh, that we actually put in the one to four family sales contract. Uh, 
maintenance and repair worksheet, those are things that if that if the client wants to improve or if there's a home that needs repair and you've negotiated that in the in the agreement uh, what those are uh, access to property worksheet that's the inspections I was mentioning to you uh, the eviction process um, you want to cover that with the client just to make sure that they understand they can still be evicted even though they're in the rent to own program but if they don't adhere to the lease then that's something that that, that would happen um, and then buyer referrals right uh, one thing that you can do uh, is provide them with a referral bonus as well. I, admit, I didn't want to forget that. So if your current client or is in a property and they refer someone, you can actually give them a referral and then you can do it again. Um, and then in addition to that, there's another process uh, with a sublease contingent. And again, I don't want to get into that tonight because I only have a certain amount of time. But you can actually use a sublease in this process similar to a wholesale. So you can do that with, with leasing. Um, so just know that. So when we have actually an in-depth workshop on this process, uh, we'll cover that as well. So next slide. So here's option number one. I'm going to go through three different scenarios. So this is the most common, and this is what to do. So. With the lease, it's a 12-month lease. There's no late payments. Uh, it's a high, higher rental rate proposed. So basically, the rule of thumb is we do a 1% rule, which means whatever the value of the home is, typically rents at 1% of that value. So if it's $100,000, your typical rent's going to be $1,000, and that's a little dated now. Um, so you might be renting that for $1,200 now. So I would just say check your fair market rents from whatever area you're in and then determine what the rental rate should be. So if there is a credit requirement for them to increase their credit, like what we've been talking about, immediately put them in credit repair um, and then make that non-negotiable non and, and that's something they're going to pay for. Um, assess repairs and include in provisions so you can negotiate if you're going to do the repairs to the property or if um, or they're going to do the repairs so that's something that you want to actually negotiate um, access to the property again that's something that you want to make sure that you're going to do quarterly and then abandonment what happens if they abandon the property you want to cover that as well and you can take immediate possession by the way if it's abandoned you decide that it, it's it, no one lives there so um, and then no longer advertise non-refundable deposit, right? So, so what I mean by that is, uh, we're barred from, from saying that. So those of you that are on the call, um, it's, we're not privy to do that anymore. Um, once the option contract went away, um, we're not able to do that. So, um, I just wanted to make sure you understood that you cannot do that. Um, from the sales contract standpoint, um, you're going to create and hold the sales contract after the lease is created. Um, and I'm going to cover and meet the 180 day threshold on the next slide. Um, the purchase date is going to be determined when the contract signed. 
uh, like we talked about, the execution date uh, is the most important date on there. So you're going to determine that with the client, basically when they're going to buy it. Uh, work with, with the credit company of your choosing to evaluate the FICO score and what it needs to be. Uh, you're going to assign, again, the execution date uh, after the lease is completed. One of the processes that I do, they accept the property as is. So one of the cool things about rent to own is you can buy a property and it can be in an as is condition and market it that way. So unlike buying a property in pristine condition, um, this process works really well. And we're going to talk about option number three in areas where there might be significant repairs because you can actually negotiate those repairs with the buyer. And as long as they adhere to doing those repairs, um, it works really well for you because you, that's something that you can forego is doing the repairs yourself. Um, again, the one fourth family uh, contract is used uh, and then there's no commissions paid, right? If you're doing it yourself, you don't have to pay commissions. Um, you can assign a minimal fee uh, if you need assistance doing this contract. So that's one of the things we used to do because if you're not familiar with how to do a rent to own, uh, we can help you with that for a fee. Uh, but but it's, uh, when you get used to it, it's pretty simple um, as long as you're familiar with those contracts. Uh, a third party agreement is basically how you're going to finance it. We call it a third party agreement uh, to ensure that the client is actually working on their financing. What I would say is, is based on their credit, like we were saying, if they're, they're required to be in, enrolled in an immediate uh, credit repair program, uh, if they're on track, the, the next step is you're going to want to actually have them work on getting approved. So which lender would they like to use? And that's one thing that uh, you want to be working on throughout that process. Uh, so after it says, you know, insurer financing is being worked on three months after the contract's created, because hopefully they're on track and then they can actually then start to obtain a loan. Uh, title company, utilize one of our title companies. Obviously our title companies, because we are a real estate investment group, are very familiar with this process. Not saying that others aren't, but uh, you know, we always pitch for our, our, our actual title companies because they're just familiar with this. And again, I'm not a lawyer, so I'm just providing you with my techniques. I guess I need to put that disclaimer out there. Um, I've done this and done it for a long time. So uh, it's a very good pro program, um, especially in, what, in the environment we're getting ready to, to enter into. Okay, so next slide. Okay, so this is gonna be a little bit technical. And the reason why is because like I mentioned, I think it's about eight to 10 years ago, the state of Texas actually abolished option contracts. And so because of that, what they told us as real estate professionals is that we could no longer use the option contract. So a lot of you might've heard, oh, you know, you can't do at least lease purchase or lease with options in Texas. Well, it was actually the option contract. And so what that meant, and this slide was actually prepared by an attorney. Uh, and so I'm gonna cover that with you. So option number two is not how, and I'll just say this, you can do this, but this is not what I recommend. But I wanted to cover this because if you were actually going to operate as if we did prior to 10 years ago, 
this would be the process. Okay. So what the state of Texas did is they said any contracts that uh, exceed 180 days and they are in concert with each other, meaning if you have two contracts together and then it, ex it extends past 180 days, it's one contract. So what they were trying to do is abolish lease with options to buy because what happened is is that the option contract was creating a lot of problems people were actually providing their down payments to these companies that would set up shop give their option money and then they would close shop and then unfortunately the poor customer was out of out of their down payment money and so because they got so many complaints they tried to defuse it but the one reason why they couldn't get rid of it entirely is because of corporate relocations. And because when you do a corporate relocation, a lot of times the actual employee cannot move right away. And the, and so because of that, there have to be a lease back. So there was no way that this, the state could offset that. So they said, okay, what we're going to do is we're going to say it's 180 days. And so what, what obviously what we do we do as real estate professionals and investors we figure out a way within the guidelines to make it work so and i'm going to cover this and i'm going to go through it and if you have any questions you can send me an email because i don't recommend this but i wanted to cover it with you so and this is a hard word to say it's exuclatory what exuclatory means is that 180 day process so if you wanted to do it this way you would do uh let's say it was two years, you do four 179 day plus 14 days into the fifth period. So you need to do 170 day contract, nine day contract, and then redo the contract all over again. Okay. So the seller would then create a fully refundable escrow account in the buyer's name, collect $1,200, right? And so each month the seller would collect $1,200 from the buyer and deposit $200 into an escrow account. So the lease would clearly state that the rent would be $1,200 or would be $1,000 a month and terminate every 179 days. And the reason why you would do this is obviously because the, the end buyer would actually have the sales contract in hand and also the lease in hand. And so if you remember earlier, I said, um, what will happen under scenario number one is you're just going to do a lease and then you're actually going to keep the sales contract. And if you, if, I, if you miss that, uh, under option number one, there, there'll never be two contracts in play. There'll only be one. So when you're working with the tenant on the lease, they will just have the lease and the, and the actual contract will stay with you. And once the lease is actually expired, that's when you actually will give them the rent, the actual sales contract. And the reason why is so that we don't violate the exclusory rule that the state of Texas has put in place. And so going back to this scenario, um, on the 179th day, obviously, it states that you'll close, right? So you would actually then at the end of the term, you would have their $6,000 down payment. So um, again, it would continue to be recreated every 179 days until they achieve their down payment. 
under this scenario, you could actually give the client their lease and their contract. I do not recommend doing that, but the reason why I showed this, and then you're saying, well, why'd you show it to me? Is because this is actually a, a way you could do it if you were gonna give them the contract. But I'm telling you, do not do this process. Um, uh, only reason why I say that is just a little, it's difficult and obviously you have to manage it. Um, and also, um, if you don't manage it correctly, uh, then you know it'll be difficult to recoup um, uh, maybe some of those lost dollars, or if you breach it, then you could get into some legal issues. So, but again, if you are interested in doing this, I actually do have an attorney that actually will do this for you uh, for a fee. But you don't have to do that. Just select option number one. So next slide. Okay. So continue with that. So the way that's working. So uh, every 179 days, a new contract is executed. Each time the down payment increases by that period amount, but is entirely refundable. That's another thing. If you actually issue the sales contract uh, along with the lease, the uh, it's the down payment would be refundable because it is a down payment. So just know if you do this process, it'll be refundable. Um, when the sales executes, all payments are collected by the seller as a down payment. So if you do it this way with two contracts, it's fine. It's just a matter of, you, I would have someone manage this process for you. Okay, so next slide. Okay, so this is actually my favorite process when we're talking about rent to own. This one is what I call repair replacement. So. Why this is so cool is because this is where a friend of mine actually uh, became really successful. And he would go into areas that where homes needed a lot of repair. So this is where typically a lot of investors actually reside. And so basically the lease would have a repair contingent. And so there'd be a 12 month agreement. Uh, there'll be a higher rental rate proposed just like we talked about the other scenario. Uh, there'd be an immediate credit repair enrollment. Uh, you'd assess the repairs, and this is where you would, you would actually assess all the repairs and get a quote. Uh, and there'd be a pretty much extensive repairs, uh, pretty much, uh, because those are what you're gonna negotiate into the deal. Um, again, you'd have access to the property to make sure that the repairs are gonna be made, you know, based on your timeline. Um, you have an abandonment clause, uh, just in case they left the property. Um, and then you could do a lease credit um, if, if they actually wanted to lease the property where they were working on it. Um, and then obviously there'd be a down payment, okay? So the way this works, is, uh, and again, it works really well with lower price houses or in areas that are not so desirable, but um, you're not actually providing or doing the work. And so, again, it's for any pro process, I'd say five, at least five to $10,000 worth of repairs. Uh, you will negotiate a three month term for them to get, for the client to make the repairs to the property with the punch list. So you have a punch list with verified repairs and associated costs. You would review with the tenant and have the signed agreement. So you do a walkthrough during the rehab process and assign dates for completion. And so then you would negotiate the term for the rent to own, okay? 
Um, and again, this is called repair replacement. So for those of you that are out there and you're afraid of doing major rehabs, this is the one way to do it. Um, you can actually negotiate that up front, get someone else to do the repairs for you. And then uh, if they breach it, you have a new, pretty much an upgraded home. Um, so for example, if the, if the repairs were $15,000, uh, well, the, the purchase price, you would act basically, um, have $5,000 that would be the tenant responsibility. Um, there'd be $20,000 cash out of pocket. So the $15,000 would be out of their pocket for the repairs. So that's what the estimate was. However, they pay for it and they do it as their, as their business. Um, then you would get a $5,000 upfront payment from them. Um, and then they'd have $20,000 out of pocket. And, uh, if the sales price was 35,000, uh, you'd have uh, net proceeds of, of 15,000 on the sale. So really, and truly, if you, and this, again, this is somewhat dated and this is when we were buying houses for $15,000, um, in, uh, you know, not desirable areas, but you can still do the same process if it's 45,000. Um, so in a two year time frame, um, you've basically, uh, negotiated all the repairs that you didn't have to do. Uh, if the home appreciated, you would not have to actually, I mean, it would be a benefit both of you. That'd be good for the tenant. And then you basically would not have to do anything. If they abandoned the property, uh, at that point, then you would have a property that was already renovated. Um, so this is a really good process for you to use. Uh, if, if you need to, uh, work in areas that are lower cost, or you want a process that, uh, assists you with the down payment or with the repairs. This is a really good program. So we call this our repair replacement. So make repairs part of the terms of the placement. So. Again, um, when you're using this program, you will want to make sure that this is dis discussed up front. So if you're interested in doing that, and so what, one of the ways we would uh, access the strategies is you place a sign in front of the house that said rent to own, right? Uh, easy qualify. And then what would happen is you start getting calls and then you, as soon as you got calls, you would just discuss those repairs with that client. Once you negotiate, obviously negotiated the, the repairs, then that would be part of your contract. Um, and then you would actually put that um, as a contingency for their purchase. Uh, and then the rest would actually uh, work the same as our traditional rent-off. Tonight, what we talked about is option number one, there has to be two contracts that have to stand alone, the lease and then the sales contract. Um, the benefit of a rent to own is it allows you to interview, interview your owner finance candidates, basically, because um, here's one of the things you can do that we did not talk about, is you can sell it to your, your clients outright, but let's say that they don't qualify, but they have the money, you could actually own or finance that property to them. Um, so you can actually have an interview for an owner finance uh, potential. Um, there's several options. There's a standard rent to own. Uh, 
combining the two contracts, which is less desirable, which I mentioned to you in option number two. And then there's a repair replacement. So remember there's three types that you can do. I re recommend number one, which is just a standard rent to own, which is gonna be very popular. I mean, just, I mean, right now, because of all the people that are out of work. And then number three is the repair replacement. And the repair replacement will work anywhere, pretty much in any market, specifically in mid-markets too, because uh, you can negotiate the repairs as people are moving outside the Metroplex. Also, contracts, know how to apply each contract with the list that I went through. Um, and again, we have meetings at the club that we go through the contracts, uh, so you'll be familiar with them. Uh, down payments, it's a st essential to starting the process. One thing I wanna mention is they, the clients need to have skin in the game, so you're not gonna list, let them start doing a rent to own. Um, so they need to have some type of payment or fee to put down. And again, you can convert existing tenants into the program at a higher sales price. Right now is a really good time to do this program because the market's high, and so they understand that. Um, and so it somewhat shields you from uh, you know, any decrease in value. And it works exceptionally well with people uh, that are no fault, right? So people are losing their jobs right now at no fault, um, unfortunately, but they're gonna wanna you know, gain home ownership again. So this puts you in a position now to offer home ownership to them. So again, Joe, thank you so much. And everyone, thank you so much for your time. Have a great day. For webinar schedules, follow us at our official social media accounts or visit us at www.realestateiq.co.